0: She has a Charles Manson-like ability to manipulate people to act as surrogates for and committing crimes. The evidence was overwhelming that if she didn't pull the trigger, she did everything else.
1: everybody, this is Danielle.
2: Oh, and this is Daniel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and this is Karla. We are Hoosier Homicide. A true crime podcast by Hoosiers for Hoosiers or for anyone that doesn't know what a Hoosier is. So I picture like two inmates handcuffed to chairs in a lobby at Wishard, where they're just like, seem. Me. I mean, they got it. I'm surprised they took him to the fucking hospital at all because they have a, like a nurse station. There's always a nurse there. And... Take him to Medical Bay, like why are we taking you to the hospital? These yeah. are all good questions. He said that they were left alone for an hour and a half during which she admitted to planning the murders, coercing Richard to kill the couple and being present in the house at the time of the murders. He's like she told me everything, and I'm a trustworthy individual. I'm a child molester, and they go <laughs> yes on august twenty second two thousand two Sarah Joe Pender was found guilty and sentenced to a hundred and ten years in prison.
3: Thats a young time.
1: Richard Hull pleaded guilty to avoid trial his defense was that he had been influenced by Sarah at the time of the murder which was considered to be a mitigating factor like oh you poor poor man she (laughs) She manipulated manipulated your wiener and you made bad decisions because of it it's not your fault it It really
2: shouldn't be Mm -mm. you just you can't help it they
1: said all the blood went like a
2: magnet it just (laughs) starts drawing in
1: all the blood went to your wiener and you were unable to make clear decisions and i cannot blame you for that we'll blame her it's so stupid he received two 45 year sentences so like 75 years so she got more time than he did
3: that's usually is that usually how it is i don't know it's he
1: rolled he got it i don't know if he got a deal deal because that is i mean 75 years doesn't sound like a deal but so he testified at her trial Or, yeah, or he pled guilty and was like, I'll do whatever you say to get the least amount of time. And they go, 75 years. Okay. And then she went to trial, though, which doesn't save anyone any time or money. So they stick it to him Mm -hmm. 110 years, which every 12 hours is a day. But that does not matter because it's still a really long time. (laughs) I felt
3: heart. I had no understanding why. Why? (laughs) You know, and I just kept thinking. How can God let this happen? How can these people not see what has happened and um it was so it was so surreal because I didn't expect it. Sarah's family was equally stunned, guilty on both counts it It just I didn't understand it. They didn't know my daughter, and they called her something evil. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. At her sentencing hearing on August 22, 2002, the prosecutor even compared Sarah to the mass murderer,
0: Charles Manson. She may not have been involved in in the deaths of of as many people as uh, Charles Manson was, but she certainly had the ability to control people, to commit horrific acts.
1: But Sarah Pender
3: remains adamant that Richard killed Andrew Cataldi and Trisha Nordman, and all she did was help him dispose of the bodies. I am willing to take responsibility for my actions. I have, but from day one, I have. It's not fair that I pay for someone else's actions. And there's a lot of people just like me who did
1: things that they shouldn't have done, but then they get convicted of things that they didn't do because they because they weren't perfect people. The only hard piece of evidence presented at Sarah's trial as proof of her guilt was the letter that she allegedly wrote. So saying, like, I just snapped. And coincidentally enough, she does end up on an episode of Snapped. (laughs) Uh, Her boyfriend gave this letter to his attorney, who passed it on to Detective Martinez. Sarah, her lawyers, and her supporters have always said that Richard had manufactured the evidence to shift the responsibility of the murder onto her. Richard himself, in a signed affidavit, later recanted and admitted the letter was a forgery. Oh, boy. No boy. Who saw that coming? But the problem is you had, like, an examiner person go, I went to school for this, and I say it was real. And he's like, nah, man, like, I I had someone write that. She's like, nope. Uh, nope. My degree says otherwise. In it, he explained that while he was detained at the Marion County Hilton, He showed samples of her handwriting to fellow inmate Steve Logan and asked him to write the letter for him, since Logan wrote more, like a woman. More feminine handwriting. Yeah. In return, Richard would provide protection on the cell block for Logan, who was a small white dude. So, yes, he was an effeminate and could write very neatly and copied her handwriting so well that an examiner trained person went, that's the same shit. It's the same. So I was like, I would give myself a pat on the back if I was him. I bet you beat the experts. By producing the forged letter, his goal was to get a shorter sentence. Okay, On May 4, 2004, when he appeared for re-sentencing, uh, Richard admitted that he was never concerned about the people he killed and said that Sarah was not present when he shot the victims. She helped, he said, after the fact. However, the court found the notarized affidavit as an aggravating factor in which he admitted the forgery, since it contradicted his earlier testimonies. So I made this letter, and I made this tiny white dude write a fancy feminine letter, and you guys bought it, hook, line, and sinker. So, but now, I don't know, it's been three or four years, he might feel bad about it, railroading his girlfriend that got more time than he did, and he's saying, I want to sign an affidavit, which is an official document, saying I might have for sure lied. And this is Steve Logan. He's a tiny white dude. He wrote it. He has feminine hands. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I had him do it. Yep. And I (laughs) protected his skinny ass. And we're friends. And it's fine. It's fine. But. If this was the two of you, you would be like, (laughs) who has the worst (laughs) handwriting here? I need you to make it look like my wife's. (laughs) (laughs) You can't. You can't do it. We, tell, we make fun of me in the last episode, too, that it was some, like, foreign language. I was like, it's drunk at the same time, though, in a foreign language. <laughs> so, but they're like, we don't appreciate you getting on the stand and lying in the first place. So.
3: Uh, I, I see that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mr. Hull appears to have committed perjury in an effort to help his co-defendant manipulate her way out of a criminal conviction for the very serious offense of maida. So they're oh, like. No, like don't know. <laughs> The judge then increased his prison time to 90 years for lying on the stand. That did not go. The no, way he he's like, it was gonna go. Well,
2: whoopsie, whoopsie doodles. Shoots.
1: <laughs> shoot, oh, peanuts. She'll say that too. Peanuts.
2: <laughs> ah, pickle nuts. Pickle
1: nuts, that's another one. We're going to make pickles. Dad's got a lot of cucumbers going. You guys are disgusting. <laughs> what
2: are you going to do with one of them cucumbers?
1: Make it into a pickle.
2: Definitely,
1: mm. I would just eat it as cucumber. Yep.
2: Danielle's favorite game is hide the pickle. No, it's not. <laughs> well, I don't know. I could make a make an argument for that. Last night, can you tell Carla <laughs> made that noise when I pulled out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you tell Carla the joke that your brother said on speakerphone, unbeknownst?
2: When he was leaving work yesterday, he called his wife, and when they were on the phone, she said. Earlier in the day, she slipped and went down on the rocks pretty hard ah. mm. yeah, and my brother blurts out, "Well, at least I'm glad to hear you're going down on something, <gasps> unbeknownst to him he had it she had it on speakerphone. her mother, her father, and her sister were all sitting right there. <laughs>
1: Daniel wouldn't be sorry for making that no, joke. No, I would
3: have been like, no. that's
1: stupid.
2: <laughs> your parents would have laughed. Yes.
1: <laughs> but they, did they laugh at that
2: joke? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs>
1: Probably, not. Probably not. I would have said, Daniel. it got in real high pitch. Daniel, Daniel. <laughs> the higher the pitch.
2: I had to stop it. myself <laughs> the other day because I can't remember what it was. I was helping your dad carry some, carry, move something heavy. Yeah. And he said, that's big. I said, thank you. And he goes, <laughs> wouldn't know. <laughs> and I started to blurt out, well, your daughter does. Yes. No!
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what's so creepy when people say, oh, we're trying to have kids. Like, so you're fucking on the regular. That's awkward. That, that I don't like that. that either. No, no. We're trying. We're actively trying. You're banging it out every other day. Just so you know. Like, weird. It got weird. Anyways, back to this. <laughs> So he got extra time for lying on the stand. It did not benefit Sarah whatsoever that he went through all that trouble. Sounds like. Yeah. Even though the only fingerprints found on the letter belonged to Richard and Logan. Like her fingerprints were not on this letter at all. But it's her handwriting. She must have got gloves. You know, they pass out gloves to inmates. I have writing gloves, yes. <laughs> writing gloves. <laughs> if you're left handed, do you need writing gloves? I don't know. Uh-huh i find out. stupid and I'm not left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> left-handed scissors make me so angry. <laughs> also, most of the 80 letters sent by Sarah were in cursive writing. The alleged self-incriminating letter was printed. No. Yep. So that's just bad. That's just bad business. While Logan has always stopped short of admitting he wrote the letter, he has testified that Richard showed him letters written by Sarah and also asked him to write some sort of letter as a way to reduce his charges or sentence, something, something, which Logan claims he didn't do. Like, well, he showed me all the writing and he asked me to do it, but I didn't. He just protected my ass out of the goodness of his heart. Oi. What? Yes. Oi. Floyd was sentenced 11 days after he agreed to testify against Sarah Pender. He was released in 08 and committed a rape within months of being released. Just, See, the winners yeah. just come okay. and go. Like, yeah, the child molesters and rapists can come in and out as much as they want. And be like, you learn your lesson this time, right? You did a whole six months in jail. Be like, yes, sir. I uh, learned yes, my lesson.
3: Sir. Yet there are people in jail for longer mm. for selling weed, which is not legal in many proofs.
1: It's bullshit. That, I, I'm, yep. In 06, Detective Martinez moved to Idaho, where he worked for the Ketchum Police Department. That same year, he had to hand over his regna- resignation following an evidence mishandling scandal. So there's something with him that Richard was like, look at this letter my shitty girlfriend wrote. <laughs> but it doesn't have an envelope. So how did she mail that letter? Like, we let talked about this in the other episode. If I'm incarcerated at one facility. But they might, maybe they're both in the Marion County Hill. Nope, nope, they've been convicted. Nope. If I'm incarcerated at one facility and Daniel's incarcerated at another, I cannot address to Daniel at the Pendleton Correctional Facility from Danielle at the Indiana Women's Prison. They'll go, no, 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 inmates don't get to correspond like that. So I got to mail it to Carla. Carla will turn it around and mail it to you. And then back and forth. That's my understanding of this because they, you're not supposed to. Like that's how I remember it when I was in prison, and I was when you that. were in prison doing that time every Thursday
2: for six hours. She would write to you and send it to me. <laughs>
1: Dear Carla, I miss your body.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're for sale. I mean, you're a sucking
2: <laughs> Dear Carla, have you ever wanted to try coprophagia?
1: No. Oh.
3: Ugh. <laughs> uh. So, I don't know
2: what's making me think that the other day. <laughs> you know something I've always wanted to try? Coprophagia. <laughs> I explained to somebody at work yesterday what that
1: was. Now I have yeah. to, I don't remember. Eating poop. No! Yep. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. A but. lot of dogs like that.
2: Yes. I, I, grew, I grew up with dogs.
1: That did that. And you tried to put <laughs> hot sauce on their poop. You no, eat. you just seasoned it for them.
2: Well, it... That's what the vet told my mom to do. <laughs>
3: and he we said, had this basset
2: hound named Lydia, and her fat ass comes waddling <laughs> in, licking her lips, and my mom said she looked up at her like, hey, you got any guacamole?
1: <laughs> and some
3: chips. Some chips? You literally made it
1: a gourmet poop. <laughs> yep. There's some shit. There's no envelope with this letter. How did he just magically get it? You know, it's just weird. And and then the letter's kind of like gone one day. And even though he's had it like four years in his cell, it just doesn't make any sense. On top of it, she didn't write it, and her fingerprints are not on the letter. But it was used as crucial evidence in convicting her.
3: It's kind of
1: huh. in April 2007. Sarah submitted a petition for a writ of habeas corpus, which I looked up because I forgot.
3: I. I can't keep these things straight.
1: <laughs> Requiring a person under arrest to be brought before a judge or into court, especially to secure the person's release unless lawful grounds are shown. Okay, so I'm being held unlawfully. And they're like, funny, because we convicted you in a court of law, which makes it lawful.
2: <laughs> See, doodles. Oopsie.
1: Over a year later, her petition was dismissed. She later wrote, once my appeals were exhausted, I had no hope left and I chose to create my own justice. I served the equivalent of 21 years of my sentence, and I felt like that was enough. So she decided she'd done enough time, and then I don't want to be prison anymore.
3: It, when there's a crime committed, and you're not a suspect, but you run anyway,
1: <laughs> that makes you look guilty. Guilty. But don't do guilty shit. So when you escape from prison... It makes you look Guilty. guilty. <laughs> Okay, so Sarah Pender escaped from Rockville Correctional Center, a maximum security prison 50 miles west of Indianapolis. Almost directly west. Because I looked into how far, if I got a job there at one point, how far I'll have to fucking drive from Plainfield to Rockville. And I thought Daniel is not gonna yeah, go for this. 30
3: minutes. 30? From
2: Plainfield.
1: Okay. Probably. Maybe that's why I was looking at it. It wasn't so bad. Okay.
2: I just like that you know me so well now that you won't even ask me dumb questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's like a scale away of like, how oh, dumb. <laughs> then we just don't tell you. Anyways.
2: Yeah, I'm used to that.
1: <laughs> on August 4th, 2008, with the aid of a prison guard, Scott Spitler, and former cellmate Jamie Long, at the time of her evasion, Scott had been a corrections officer at Rockville Correctional Facility for five years. the previous month, he had been placed in a pre-trial diversion program for a misdemeanor charge of battery, so he probably punched an inmate. Although he was married and had children, he was also engaging in an ongoing sexual relationship with Sarah behind bars. In the other episode, I mentioned, you cannot sleep with an inmate. They are property of the state. They cannot consent. It is rape. That's the laws. Even if she's like, I'm the femme fatale of the story. And then again, the guys, they're like, it's not your fault. She manipulated your wiener. Again? Yeah, this, yeah. It's not your fault. They run with this. It's the only argument they have. Okay. Jamie Long was an older married woman. I think she was married to a pastor or a preacher of some sort. She had a criminal history of two felonies and 12 to 15 other convictions. We could never know how many. (laughs) But that
3: sounds like a lot, though.
1: Both women had met in 07 while they were inmates at the Marion County Jail. They formed an intimate relationship, and Jamie referred to Sarah as her wife, even though she was married to a man on the outside, while they served time at the Indiana Women's Prison in Indianapolis. Sarah reportedly planned her escape with a cell phone provided to her by the prison guard, Scott. If you get caught with a phone in prison, I think it's a C, a class C felony? Felony? Yeah. misdemeanor? I don't know. They don't like it. They don't like it. And did it happen at Plainfield one time? That someone tossed a bag of cell phones over the fence or some shit. Ooh, maybe. I feel like I heard that. That's exciting. And it's like, you don't want to be the person to recover that because if you turn it into the guards, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you because yeah. someone is waiting on them cell phones mm-hmm. and be like, I saw nothing. I heard nothing.
3: Yeah, it's not, it's not worth it. No.
1: Don't turn in. Just walk away. Just walk away. That's my prison advice. <laughs> So he brought her the cell phone and she and Scott agreed that he would be paid $15,000 to help her escape. $15,000 from an inmate. I was like, where do you get that money from? Like, where, where is that money coming from? Yeah, uh, why didn't you spend that on a lawyer? Yeah. I'll be like, <laughs> "Did someone just be like, I will give you $15,000. Like, okay. I'm like, I don't have $15,000. <laughs> nope. Nope. But that's the point they make later. It's like, well, he was manipulated by her vagina. And they're like, nah, man, he was getting $15,000 in his own mind, not the vagina. Mm-mm. That was just like side business. Oh, okay. <laughs> so on August 4th, Pender went to the facilities gymnasium where she changed clothes, hiding her prison uniform above the ceiling's tiles and putting on civilian clothes that Scott had given her. They were khaki, a lot of khaki. khakis. Your khakis. She then walked toward the fueling area where they had agreed to meet. He told her to get in the van and hide under the seat. He then drove to the prison's gate where he knew out of experience that a guard would not search his vehicle. That's your job. comin' and goings. You might have cell phones in there and pass them out to the inmates. Scott dropped her off at one of the facility's parking lots where Jamie Long picked her up and gave her 140 bucks and drove her to Indianapolis and said, Be free. <laughs> fly! I'm gonna take you away. to the busiest city nearby. <laughs> and you be can free, be free. <laughs> yeah, but 140. I mean, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. And an inmate count revealed that Sarah Pender was missing. Hmm. Hmm. Yes. So I think they do it three times a day.
3: Duck, right? duck.
1: duck, duck. Yeah, they have a clicker. Duck. Like, like uh, mom called it a bean counter for people going into Meyer and Menards now. Like when they were keeping a track. A bean counter. A bean counter. I used
0: mm-hmm.
3: to use. Something. I heard that. Yeah. I used to one at the test truck. It's, oh, yeah. it's what you did to count your beans. Mm-hmm.
1: I wasn't ever really sure why I used it because I, every time I... it was just guessing. Guessing? I, there was no rhyme or reason, but I would
3: it.
2: I that. was going to say, I've noticed that before, like getting on rides and they get a bunch of people. You see someone, they're going, it makes you look official. Here's the
3: thing
1: for smart people, they're like, here's your ratios. This is what you should be doing. And I'm my. Brain is like I can't do that, uh, so I would just do the click click and then like hope for the best. Hope for the best, <laughs> click click. Hope for the best, uh, and that's not what you want to hear when you're being sent off on a ride. Hope for the best, yeah. <laughs> okay, they do count like morning, afternoon, or, and like I think at night while you're sleeping. Like they got to be able to see you in your cell. You can't be buried under your covers. Um, so they'll they'll notice right away when someone's missing. They will, and. The prison was put on maximum security lockdown. No one in or out, no fun for anyone, no visitors, no cell phone deliveries, nothing. (laughs) After viewing video surveillance tapes and consulting the guard log, investigators identified Scott Spittler as her accomplice. Like, he wasn't a smooth, like, he's not a smooth criminal. He was arrested the next day and was charged with assisting a criminal. Official misconduct. Sexual you're really misconduct.
2: you like She's dancing. You're just like, I'm just going to go through this. And then later, good. you're going to be mad. You know you were doing the... No, do I thought it was good. Through the whole time. The whole time. Rabble, rabble, rabble. Sergeant McPherson has known Sarah Pender
4: from the day she arrived at Indiana Women's Prison. She must have struck up a very deep relationship, having targeted that male officer.
5: He was having problems at home, and she... Preyed on that, she prayed on his emotions, uh she made him feel that she was going to save him, that she would be his everything that she would replace what he didn't have, and he was so vulnerable he fell for it, so he did whatever she asked. He fell in love with her. he fell in love with her, yes, but of course she wasn't in love with him. She used him to get what she wanted, and that was to get out of Rockville.
4: And you would put that down to her ability to
5: manipulate. She is, I've seen a lot. I've been here for over 20 years. Sarah is one of the best manipulators I've seen.
3: Gurgle
1: so, so, Gadget Arm. <laughs> so he got in trouble assisting a criminal, official misconduct, se- sexual misconduct, and trafficking with an inmate, which sounds bad, bad. In February of 2009, he was sentenced to eight years in prison. Well, he did not get the $15,000. <laughs> and I think his wife was piesta. Jamie Long was arrested after Scott told investigators that she was the person who had picked up Sarah. She was charged with aiding an escape. A Class C felony. and was sentenced to seven years in prison. So he did like a list of things. She just aided and got seven years.
3: It sounds about <laughs>
1: yeah. right. It's not his fault. He has a wiener. Yeah. In September of '08, the TV show America's Most Wanted. That's what made me think of this. Is because the last episode you were talking about that you've looked up. Like, America's Most Wanted, or, you know, you're going through it. A
3: lot of people wanted for hijacking planes in the 70s. Yeah,
1: which is why? Because that's what we were looking up. Okay. Um, It ran a feature on Sarah. A month later, she was added to the U.S. Marshals' 15 Most Wanted Fugitive list. She was the only woman on the list at the time. In the meantime, Sarah had settled in a north side Chicago neighborhood where she went under the name Ashley Thompson.
2: Jackie Daytona.
1: (laughs) She found a job as an estimator for a contractor. It's like, wow. Wow. You should show up and get a job being a good neighbor. On December 22nd, uh, 2008, two hours after a rerun of America's Most Wanted, her neighbor identified her and called the Chicago police. So not such a good neighbor. It's like, that's a Karen. I was being nosy. Like, call the cops.
3: It's her. It's her. It's the female Manson. <laughs>
1: Uh, they arrested her at her apartment, although she denied being Sarah Pender for a later while, and then she did not resist arrest. I was like, what are you going to do? In 2009, during his trial, Scott Spittler explained that he had been manipulated by Sarah. Aw, funny. He must have looked up her other, like, what they kept saying about her, and the attorney was like, just say she manipulated you.
0: Lieutenant Gray, what were your impressions (laughs) of Sarah Pender while she was here? She was always trying to get, uh, uh, get an advantage over someone or, or something. It was always about. Uh, anytime you talk to her, um, if you ask her a question, uh, she would typically respond with, "What's in it for me?" And when people, you know, either say that or give you the impression that that's what they're trying to do, then then it should put you on notice that you know you, you have to be careful about how you're dealing with them.
4: What were your feelings about the fact that this was an officer with whom you would work very closely? Someone you knew, someone you had served
0: with, and someone you respected as a as a colleague. Once we discovered that it was him that that had driven Pender out of the facility, I, I was just absolutely sick. Just sick to my stomach. Physically sick, mentally sick, over the entire episode.
4: Sarah Pender proved to be as you had probably thought when she came in here, that she was just as clever a manipulator as you had
0: originally felt. Oh, absolutely. She, she proven her, has proven herself to be that time and time again, and that is probably the, uh, the, the best uh, proof of it uh, right then and there. If you can convince an officer, uh, someone who was trained not to do this, somebody who was trained to uh, maintain the order and uh, the peace of a facility, if you can convince that person to drive you out of a correctional facility, you can convince anybody to do anything.
1: At the time of the escape, Indiana Department of Correction Commissioner Edwin Buss told the media that Sarah had manipulated him to the point where he had planned his day to get a vehicle inside the facility and take her outside the facility. Again, who can resist the magic of a jean that is Sarah Not me. Pender? Yeah, it was just like, I feel like this is inaccurate. But they're like, yeah, it is. Have you seen it? I'm like, No. No. <laughs> detective said that she had first seduced, then coerced Scott into helping her escape. And I was like, wow. Except for that money part. Interviewed by America's Most Wanted, Sells, the prosecutor in the case, said concerning Sarah that lurking within is a dark, evil demon. She has the ability to seduce people into committing atrocious acts. She has a Charles Manson-like ability to manipulate people. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. They're not saying about that about the child molester. What'd you call him? He's out of prison. Confused, confused, lost in the world. The America's Most Wanted website made a particular dramatic depiction of Sarah labeling her cunning and dangerous fugitive and asked viewers to call before she gets the opportunity to kill again. So that's why her nosy neighbor, Karen, was like, she'll kill us all in our sleep. Go to cops. (laughs) It said that Sarah Pender used her body to get what she wanted most, Freedom. I looked at a picture of her. She wasn't some, like... No, it's just a model. regular woman. She's like the rest of us. Like, well, okay. It's not like how the people will look at Casey Anthony or Jodi Aries as being more attractive. And so they run with that. But this
3: woman, she's just like the rest of us. She's pretty normal looking. Yeah.
1: I was like, okay. Let's see. In a controversial book about Sarah titled Girl, Wanted, Colin. The Chase for Sarah Pender it's a problematic title i don't like it released in 2011 by journalist Steve Miller also compared her to e- an evil supernatural being wow okay. now now she's a ghost <laughs> it's just inflammatory language vampires as the lore has it exists as the essence of others sarah pender was a vampire in the emotional and mental sense so she's Colin Robinson <laughs> Yes. yes he goes to court meetings that were like what is it, divorce court or something and sucks off the energy of everyone that's like irate <laughs> yeah. wow that's from what we do in the shadows if anyone is wondering it's on hulu it's good ah. The book has been criticized as inaccurate and deliberately quoting key documents in a misleading way. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the <laughs> vampire in her—you haven't seen her teeth. Looks just like Carla. Hey, wait. wait, when? Steve Miller's investigation, however, brought to light Floyd Pennington's snitch list. So they found something. When they're they give authors, I think, access to shit, and they're like digging through files at the courthouse, and they found. Floyd's list provided information against 17 different persons besides Sarah. He wrote, I will help to make buys, wear wire, talk on phone taps, or whatever I have to do to make busts on all these crimes. The list an indication that Floyd was willing to testify against any number of people to get a deal seriously undermined his credibility and undermined the prosecution's theory about Sarah's guilt. So he just had, whichever domino falls first, I will run with that. Of the 17 people that I can get, dirt on or testify against i will just lie and say that's the bad guy whatever you tell me to say i'll say it because he's a child molester and a terrible person so this list proves that he's most likely lying because he would have said it for 17 other people and he goes no no no." he knew the truth about those 17 other cases too yeah i don't know According to former prosecutor Larry Sells, reading the book led him to reconsider his position on the fairness of Sarah Jo Pender's 2002 trial. The list was not given to either the defense or the prosecution at the time of her trial. It was only the investigator had that list. So he knew. He knew that dude was a dirty, dirty kiddy diddler and kept it in anyways and said, please get on the stand and testify to the false facts. No problem, Captain. Okay. okay. In an interview with the Indianapolis Star, he explained, if I had seen that, I never would have put Floyd Pennington on the witness stand. In May 2012, he contacted Bonnie, Sarah's mother, and promised to help her, promised to help set things right. So, I wonder if I've got some audio, I did put some in the other one, but he, he actually feels really fucking bad about this, that he railroaded this girl calling her Charles Manson. And all of a sudden he realizes, oh, I made up evidence against her and put a child molester on the stand and took his word as being truthful. And it turns out it was all bullshit.
3: She's like, that's what I am trying to tell you. It's all bullshit.
1: So he feels bad, but I don't know. he's not the prosecutor anymore. Sarah has written that the media, including America's Most Wanted, has selectively used facts in order to manipulate the viewers to believe I am a degenerate, dangerous criminal, in return for sensational story and higher ratings, under the guise of bringing justice, she's actually a smart person, I think. Supporters of Sarah claim that Scott Spittler was aware of the media's depiction of her and used it to minimize his responsibility. She touched my wiener and I got dumb, and there was nothing I could do. She led me around by the dick. She put a little collar on it and drugged me around, <laughs> <laughs> and I had to, you laugh. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a thing, and I had to do whatever she told me. And they go, I understand, sir. So it's oh, not you your feel fault. your pain. Yeah, um, they
2: say away to a man's hardest to his stomach.
1: That's bullshit. <laughs> Threw a collar on his weenie. Hey, don't get me wrong, it helps. <laughs> oh, no, don't get me wrong. They point out that he did not act out of a misguided love for Femme Fatale when he helped Sarah to escape Rockville. Rather that fifteen thousand dollars. The fact that the media did not report, neither during her escape nor before or after his trial. Everyone just glossed over that because the vagina was more interesting than the money. The relationship between Sarah and Scott was not an exception at Rockville. Two months after her escape in O eight, Roger Hitzman, another correctional officer at Rockville, was arrested by the state police for trafficking and engaging in sex acts with at least one female. Because the case was not high profile, no one claimed Roger was a victim manipulated by the in- inmate. It, well, it's all inmates are manipulative, so it's not his fault. So they're big on minimizing the risk. They're like, it's not our fault. They also hire a mass murderer, Stephen Kazmer Kazak, and. We should talk about him. I forget what he did. I don't know if it was a mass shooting. It might have been at a school. It. Yeah. In Illinois, maybe. The fact that the guard posted at the gate did not search Scott's vehicle on the day of the escape, as he should have, Scott's behavior, Roger's arrest, the hiring of that mass murderer, all elements that clearly point out problems with the Institute, which, when considering, have little to do with Sarah's personality. Or her vagina. (laughs) And she committed no violence violence of any kind while on the escape. October 2013, Kara Weineke, which I pronounced it very poorly in this previous episode. I call her like Winky. <laughs> Dang, you run with it. Okay, Sarah's lawyer filed a request for a new trial on Sarah's behalf. The request was based on Floyd's snitch list as well as a newly discovered second snitch list and testimony from a forensic linguistics person. In 2014, the Indiana Court of Appeals denied the request, explaining that the petitioner has failed to establish a reasonable possibility that he or she, should say that, is entitled to post-conviction relief. Controversy arose when information surfaced that a judge sitting on the review panel was Cale J. Bradford. Bradford had been the judge during both of Richard Hull's 2000 and 2005 appeals, so he's not impartial. So the appeal dude you know, came in front heck? of me. If I say... You can't have your appeals. In fact, here's some ninety years instead of seventy five, then turn around in a review board and be like, Well, oh, I have to give her the same thing. <laughs> like, you have another deal, so so During the summer of two thousand sixteen, Kara Weineke, Sarah's lawyer again, filed a motion with the Marion County prosecutor's office requesting a deal that would free Sarah if granted she would plead guilty to a Class C felony of assisting a criminal which carries a maximum sentence of eight years. The request is based on new evidence at its surface. Floyd Pennington's stitchless Okay, that's the same thing, yeah. Marion County Prosecutor Terry Curry refused to sign off on reduced sentence. Who was the prosecutor during the explosion? Because we were in Marion County. Yeah. What was the name you just read? Terry Curry.
3: Oh, Terry Curry might be a guy. Oh, okay. I thought it was a woman. No. um, Yeah. It's not. Yeah. I I can't remember what the lady's name was.
1: Yeah. It sounds kind of a gender neutral name if I recall. Yeah. Okay. So her case was on Oxygen Snap. They have a Lifetime movie. She made them do it. And that renewed some interest. Uh, It was featured on Deadline Crime with Tamara Hall, Women Behind Bars with Trevor McDonald, A Stranger in My Home, Master Manipulators. Okay, Richard Hall is currently incarcerated at the Pendleton Correctional Facility. His earliest possible release date is 2045, when he will be 68 years old. Sarah was held in solitary confinement at the Indiana Women's Prison in Indianapolis from December 08 to January 2014 for a total of 1,800 days. A little over. So, she spent five years in solitary confinement. 23 hours a day in a 7 by 11 cell.
4: This is Indiana Women's Prison. My escort, Sergeant McPherson, is taking me to meet the most notorious inmate in the state, a convicted double murderer. Thank you. You're welcome. And, Sergeant, we're heading now to?
5: To the Administrative Segregation Unit. This unit is where our disciplinary offenders are. This is a, what you call like a punishment them. We put them here to give them time to think about what they've done and to clear up their negative behavior.
4: Offenders in this unit spend more than 20 hours a day locked in their cells. They have no contact with the rest of the prison population.
6: Hey, Sarah, you ready?
4: Sarah Pender has been in this
6: segregation
4: unit for nearly five years. Why do you think that they have given you this long sentence, as it were, in segregation unit?
6: Because I embarrassed them.
4: How did you embarrass them?
6: Um, well, I escaped from what was supposed to be a maximum security prison.
4: How did you do that?
6: Uh, an officer aided me. Um, he in what way? I, he, <laughs> it's a little embarrassing. Um, uh, he drove me out. They have these transportation vans that come in to get fuel. They have, like, their own little gas station and... We planned it so that when he came in to get fuel, then I came out and got in the van. How did you manage to persuade an officer? Well, I didn't actually... (laughs) To
4: take take you out.
6: (laughs) I didn't actually ask him. Um, Yeah, I know. It's, uh, I was having... Uh, when I was planning my escape, I plan on doing it by myself. And uh, but I needed money, and I didn't want to ask my family because I would have to lie to them about what it was for. So in order to make money, I worked with this officer who would traffic in contraband, and then um, my friends would sell it for money, and then I would get the money to save up for my escape. And uh, so he was making a lot of money because I was paying him very well to do this. And um, he found out that I was uh, planning an escape, and uh, Saw an opportunity to make more money, and so he said, "What if I could just roll you out of here? I said, that would be worth my while." And, uh, and as a side note, I also had a sexual relationship with the officer, and that came out when I when I uh, escaped, and that was very embarrassing to the department. I
4: think I'm beginning to understand why the authorities have taken such a strong line on your case, mm-hmm. um, because. You mentioned it was an embarrassment. I think it was a huge embarrassment
3: for them.
6: Yes, I, and the only explanation that they've given my mother for why I'm in here is that I'm quote, too smart for their facility.
1: So I've seen mm. her that, this makes me famous, so I was in <laughs> this, <laughs> <laughs> the special okay. needs, the special needs unit was directly across in the hall from the solitary, the shoe, I guess is what they call it, so it's just a long hallway with a bunch Send of Send them to the shoe. A bunch of doors on each side, and no one's ever out, except for one inmate at a time, and they're always in red, so you know that they're high-risk, because she escapes, so that's why she's in red. Yeah, that'll do it. And it's a punishment thing, and usually it's like six months for a punishment. She was in there for five years. That doesn't five seem like years. Right. So in 2000, she got out, they moved her out in 2014, so I was there in 2012. So I knew she was in there, and I'd seen her a couple times. You're never without handcuffs. There's always a guard with you. I think even when you shower, there's a guard like right next to you, and it's very cold in that unit too. So it's like she's just alone all the time, and I don't understand why she needed five years in solitary. And I don't, it, I just don't understand. And that's cruel and unusual The child molester gets out, but well, we're gonna put this woman in solitary. It's I don't just understand the shit we're talking Ooh, about. Come people. on, oh. it's just so simple. Wow.
4: At Indiana Women's Prison, it's morning recreation. It's a chance for inmates to make friends and cultivate relationships, which can be a desperately important part of prison life. The most troublesome offenders have few opportunities to do that. They are confined to this segregation unit. They have one hour out of their cells and are escorted, shackled, even to go for a shower. Sarah Pender's cell faces that of her friend, armed bank robber Desiree Hancock.
1: Put your arms back out here. This one? I heard you tighten it up after I put it on you. Okay, step back.
3: Sit down.
4: But I notice your opposite Sarah Pender.
7: Yes, I love her. That's one of my very good friends, very good friends. She, I would like to give her a lot of credit for partly the woman that I am today. Like, when I get ready to show out or I get ready to snap, because this place will take you there, she'll be like, Desiree, shut up, <laughs> or shut up, go sit down. And I'll go sit down, I'll calm down. In a place like this, friend is not a word that you just throw around. Hmm. And it's not something that you just say because women are very vindictive creatures and they're very fake and they're very uh, just catty. They will smile on your face and they'll just be like, hey, and I just hope nothing but the best for you. And then you turn around and Aiden Blue slipped you like 35 times and trying to get you and your girlfriend separated.
4: How close do these relationships get? You mentioned women and her oh, girlfriend. That's, oh, a, that's a pretty, pretty, get pretty, deep. pretty pop- Pretty they get
7: deep. Pretty deep. They get pretty deep. A lot of women don't come in here gay. I'm, I wasn't when I came to prison, but I am now. And um,
4: you are—you have become.
7: Mm-hmm.
4: Yes. You're yes, practicing gay. Yes, that... yes. I'm a lesbian. Uh-huh. Yes, I am. Um, but you—you—you you, you discovered that, or you became
3: that became when, here, mm-hmm. when you were here. I was came married to this. three years
7: before I came to prison to a man. And, okay. Uh, uh, it's just—I don't know. Loneliness is what started it, and then I don't know. One thing led to another, and uh, it may seem fake on the outside, but emotions and feelings are real.
4: And you have had such a mm-hmm. deep relationship mm-hmm. I've in this? i had
7: two. Two great loves. I've had a <laughs> a dozen relationships, but I've had two great loves. And I had In this prison? Mm-hmm, and I will say that I damaged both of them.
4: How I damaged both of them. How did you do that? How did you being damage a cheater, both of them?
7: Being a cheater, a liar, just... Um, It was like being a cheater. Like when you're in a relationship, it's like being a kid in a candy store. It's not just one girl. It's not one girl. It's 740 girls. So, and out of 740, probably only 40 ain't gay. The rest of them, this is the gayest place on earth. (laughs) The rest of them are all gay.
1: Her current release date is April 4th, 2053. When she'll be eligible for a parole, and she will be seventy-four years old, she was transferred back to Rockville Correctional Facility in January twenty-fifth, two thousand eighteen. So they moved her out of Indiana Women's Prison, probably after they moved her out of Solitaire. She might have been a little more high-profile there than maybe. Oops. I don't know.
3: So what did this other podcast have to say? Like they were like, "Yeah, she's the cold-blooded killer."
1: Yeah, like she bought. I. They were him, Howie. Him, Howie. Um, that she knew knowingly purchased that gun, and then that night it was used. I don't disagree with that, but I don't know. I yeah, sometimes
3: I just feel like the person who pulls the trigger is more. Uh,
1: yeah, he got less time assault. than she did. Well, he ended up with almost as much time, but so she bought the gun. So that means she knew what it was going to be used for. And I was like, I think that is not true all the time, because he could have said, "Buy me this gun," and she went, "Okay." He could have said anything. We need Mm -hmm. protection because I sell drugs. That's what my thought was. I need a shotgun because it's a home. I'm going to defend my house from people that want to steal our drugs or our money. And I would have said, I'm 21 and I'm stupid. And I would have gone, Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's against the law to purchase firearms for felons. Don't do that. So she knew that, but still purchased it. And then wasn't there when they got shot, but still, but then helped load the bodies. And she's like, I was terrified. And she goes, oh, I, I couldn't think straight it was just i was scared to death of him because he had just killed two people and it's like and he's a big dude and she's like i just remember getting blankets he kept and she goes anytime i would say anything he would tell me to shut the fuck up get in the truck you know do what i say and she's like yes sir and they are saying that she couldn't be that much manipulated by him for only after two months like it they were saying that it couldn't be domestic violence. He couldn't be that persuasive of her. They've only been together two months. I was like, nah, man, no, no, it, no. it can happen right away. It's just yeah. besides the fact that he was scary looking. He couldn't manipulate her that amount of time in two months so quickly, but she could manipulate him as the process in two months that amount of time. Women are evil. Yep. Yep, that's what it is. Yep. They shouldn't be able to vote. No, nope, I'm just taking away. away. I
2: agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> They vote with their vaginas. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but then we're so smart we can manipulate everyone with our vaginas. It's just is like, you can't have it both ways, guys. You can't have it both ways. I kept
4: hoping to get to the bottom of the Sarah Pender story. Okay. The thing that I have always got from the conversations we've had before is that you are not typical of the people in this prison environment generally. Would you agree?
6: I would I would I um I have a wider world view and I think that um I've been able to glean more wisdom than the typical person. Uh, I'm generally more educated. I have uh, I have 5 years of college. Um Why did you choose the path that ended you up here? It was an emotional attachment to someone who when I found out that he dealt drugs that I accepted it because I didn't want to lose him.
4: So so at every stage you were aware of where that codependency was taking you?
6: Yes, I went into the relationship with my eyes open. However, I was very, very naive, and um, I never thought that it would bring harm to me or anyone that I loved. And um, like most women, I thought that I could change him.
4: The bare fact of the matter is that you purchased a gun which was used in the killing of two people. Did you think about the victims um, of the people who were killed in this in this crime?
3: Nothing most time. Nothing more about their families. The woman had three kids.
6: Patricia, she had three children. And... uh Despite the fact that they were both felons, drug dealers, it doesn't matter. They are still people, and they have families that love them, just like I have a family that loves me. And they can't ever get those people back.
4: What did you think when you heard the judge or the prosecutor pronounce a sentence on you? You you, you were given a very long, two very long sentences.
3: Yes,
6: I was uh, given 110 years. 110 years.
4: What were your emotions on hearing that dreadful sentence
3: disbelief
4: why did the jury, in the end conclude that you were directly involved in the murder of two people? Was it in somebody's mind, the mind of the prosecutors, the prosecuting authorities, that you had somehow encouraged or ma- manipulated him into doing into into committing those murders?
6: Yes, yes, that was their theory that i had that i had this is where the where the entire reputation of manipulation that I'm a manipulator came from. The prosecutor had um, went forward on the theory that I had manipulated Richard into murdering the victims. And his theory was that I wanted them out of my house.
4: You were being judged or you were seen, you were perceived as a two-faced manipulator.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Which is a really hard label to carry. Every time I meet somebody new, if they are aware of my infamous reputation, it's a new to jump. And uh, that's a consequence of my actions.
1: So she's still in prison. Rockville, I think, is a nicer facility. This is the only inmate we've ever talked about that I would probably write to. Because... I Why? dear sarah dear sarah i'm sorry i think about you a lot i i think i do think about her just because i was in the prison at the same time that she yeah. was here's my
2: home address come visit me when you get out
1: <laughs> i'm sure there's a petition like change.org that everyone should go sign to get her out like
2: i don't
3: i don't know i don't
1: know she just needs to swap places with a child molester and that's all, i mean it would just make more sense
3: oh you only did that yeah right. yeah
1: and yes Yes, it's. I don't understand. I think maybe because I think I could have been her. That you just end up with the wrong guy that you met at a fish concert. <laughs> maybe she was doing drugs. Maybe she wasn't. But you're just like, I like this guy. And then he's kind of in control. And then he kills two people. And you're there. And you're like, fuck. And that's it. That's the end of the story. You were there. You were there. And she and... did not call the police. And she went to work the next day. And it was like, I'm not telling you. So she's at fault. Purchasing a firearm, helping dispose of bodies—that's bad. You shouldn't do that, and not calling the police. But when did when do you call the police? At what point do you not get in trouble? She's like, if she walked in and saw the bodies and then called, I'm like, large man with gun. I'm calling nine one one. But because they're on the phone with me, you cannot shoot me. And it's like, yeah. Uh. So she should have called nine one one as soon as she saw the crime. And it's like, but he. Would have fucking killed her and put her in the dumpster yeah, also, I, yeah. and they're like, "That's a better fate that was than not calling the police." An effort of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I would have done the exact same thing. Like, I'm not calling nine one one, but probably the next day, maybe she should call Yeah, but so she was just afraid of him. She's still using her vagina though, because she has female wives. You know, she's got wives in prison too. And I think <laughs> the one the Jamie Long woman kept coming to see her, even though they got, I think she got out maybe, or they were both in. Indiana women's Prison together. Mm-hmm. So they were like girlfriends then. So, you know. It's interesting. The couple, like, watching inmates is an interesting thing. They you know, my like, girlfriend now. Yep, there's some of that. <laughs> prison bitch, yep, there's some of that. And But they're usually, I mean, there's some bickering, but they're usually just old plump women going Ew. out for their walks. Don't say plump. Going out for their walks around the court because it felt like a college campus. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> they all have their you know their tennis shoes on and their little earmuffs that all match and they crochet stuff and they all have their chapstick and little holders and they have their ID their yellow ID tags and they are just out walking because <laughs> they got nothing else to do.
3: Yeah, it's like the ladies at the mall.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the same thing. So yeah, I right. is not a fun solitaire Solitary? Yeah, cards not a fun thing.
2: And when she gets out, Danielle will invite her over to our house and not tell me because you know why? (laughs) Because I might try to stop her.
1: (laughs) It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. (laughs) That's true. Um, No, I'm not going to write to her. I'm saying this is the only one I would write to.
3: I ain't writing nobody.
1: And that was another thing is they, I was, when I was working there, it was impressed upon me. Don't fucking write to any of these women like don't do like that violates the line between pay you know free internship work and inmate like you can get in trouble and I think it had happened before that an intern made friends with an inmate. In How room. dare you! They just always come up to me and wanted fucking Cheetos from me because I was in the closet. <laughs> it was a closet. It was Cheeto literally a, lady. It What's was, up, Cheeto you lady? Yeah, <laughs> it was literally a closet with a desk in it. No phone. I, uh, maybe there was a phone, but I couldn't have my cell phone. Nothing in there. And I was, I don't even know what the fuck I did. I should have gone through more files. I thought I was going to get in trouble. I thought I was going to get in trouble for going leaving my homework at the prison. <laughs> <laughs> so i should have gone through more files and read more shit because it would have been more interesting but i didn't i thought i'd get in trouble they don't have rights fuck so they would come up to me and want cheetos and i'm like cheeto lady because they would be the bags of snacks would be behind me and i don't think i ever gave them any like no nah. because then the next one would come and the next yeah, one they all had their own personal cups that they personalized with their stickers and stuff i did give out stickers got in trouble for bringing in pens once many yeah. pens out of control Patio. And for honest to goodness... <laughs> no, no, and then... Uh, sorry, D
2: Well, you can leave, Carla. Sorry. <laughs> right, you can walk back over to your parents' house.
1: I don't walk anywhere. Ah. Daniel and I were talking about pausing the Patreon until we feel more capable of producing it. So we don't want to charge anyone. I think they can still have access to the episodes, but we won't... Like the ones that have already been there. Okay. Well, there's Updates one other issue soon.
2: that I want to talk about here.
1: What? Oh, <laughs> I like, actually, what? I want to talk about my own issues. So <laughs> I'm just getting into the therapy microphone. I have issues with leaving my home. So mom bought me a bunch of stuff on her credit card and wants me to pay her back. <laughs> you texted <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. I texted mom two hours ago and she hasn't responded. And it's unacceptable. And it's I was against like, the rules. It's against the rules. And I was like, she's fired. And then I was like, she texted me and you're like she came over. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> anyways. You keep your face out of my mom's face. Didn't she say that last night to you?
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) She didn't appreciate me getting close to you.
1: Yeah. Keep your face out of my mom's face, (laughs) 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 motherfucker. All right. Tell them where to find us. Um, Instagram and Twitter. uh, Who's your homicide? We also have Facebook. That's pretty much it. Yeah, Uh, we're on all the podcast platforms. Minutes of fun. Yeah.
3: I feel good about things.
1: And for honest to goodness. Stay stay out out of the the corn. corn.